Hey everybody, just a couple of quick notes before we jump into the episode. This episode has some funky audio, just like the last episode did. I've tried to clean it up as best as possible, but you may still hear some wonkiness in it. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is going on with those audio files, so bear with me as I work out the kinks on that. Also, this is another episode with Donna from Donna the Dead. This is actually the first episode that we recorded together, and there's you'll be able to tell that through the throughout the episode. And so I just wanted to make everybody aware of that going into it since I released these out of order. But this is the first episode that we recorded together, and uh, I hope you uh, will enjoy it. Welcome to another bonus episode of Creepy and Geeky. On today's episode, I'm joined by Donna, who goes by Donna the Dead on Instagram and Twitter and has her very own horror podcast, also called Donna the Dead. Welcome, Donna. Hey, I'm so glad to be here and stoked. <laughs> yeah, me too. We've been, uh, we've been uh, Instagram friends for a long time, several years now. We've been talking about doing podcasts you know, separately for a long time. And, you know, obviously now we both have separate podcasts, uh, but yeah, I've been itching to have you on for a while now. And how long have we been talking? Jeez, I can't even remember how long we've been talking on Instagram. I, like it's, yeah, you're no, right. It's been years. years. Yeah. <laughs> That's so yeah. weird. And, you know, we're both kind of in the South. We are in the South. Yes. No. I'm pretty geographically uh, close. <laughs> Not close I enough just, to say hi, but you know. <laughs> no, but maybe one day when there's a horror convention, I can actually yeah. come down because it's always in Georgia. It's, well, I'm not going to say where you are. It's always in your state, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's never in mine. Oh, okay, great. So um, I let that cat out the bag. Um, <laughs> so thank you for having me. And yeah, it's, yeah. it is weird that we both have um, podcasts that actually started around the same time. I think I did mine maybe a month or two before yours. Yeah, you got the jump on me. I'd been talking about mine. I'd had a, I'd had, a, I had everything prepped and ready, but I hadn't actually sat down and recorded yet. And you got the jump on me before I got mine out. So I was like, oh, that Donna. She the planets me. did not align, Robert. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, um, no. So yeah, um, it's it's very nice to be here. And after I have, um, I've, I don't have anybody that's been a guest on mine yet. But after I have one of my guests, then. I'd love to have you on mine because I, yeah, I know definitely. we're going to get into a lot of stuff that we can talk about when you when you come and visit my neck of the woods. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, on today's episode, we're going to be talking John Carpenter on this day of recording. It is actually his birthday. Woohoo! Uh, Sunday, January 16th of 2022. I don't actually know how old he is. I know he's in his 70s. I'd have to look it up real quick. Did you know I was a John Carpenter nut? Like, did you know that I would like I would marry this man if he asked me? I I do know that. <laughs> I do know that indeed. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure to... that we, yeah. 
we have talked at length about uh, our, our mutual John Carpenter love, which is why we're talking about it today. We're, we're, we're going to talk about your favorite John Carpenter movie, which was. Dun, 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 dun. That's my thing. Music. <laughs> the thing. So, oh, the by the thing. way, he's 74. He's 74. 74. I'm just throwing that out okay, real quick. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the thing and, um, where should I start? Really? I mean, I could go with the Kurt Russell thing. That's an obvious lady boner, but um, probably a dude boner if you like. Um, yeah, the he's thing, I, he's a very handsome man um, and, and probably started my whole beard fetish affection <laughs> thing going um, as a young. To, if anybody who listens to my podcast also <laughs> listens to your podcast, it is well established that you have well established for Kurt Russell and his beard. Biggest lady chub <laughs> ever. So, <laughs> and let me know if I'm getting too blue because I no, don't no. really. Okay, good. Um, so I'll just start out by saying it's, it's my favorite horror movie at like of all time. I probably watched it hundred billion times. I probably watch it more times than my husband really cares to see at this point in his life. <laughs> um, if I don't watch it at least once a month, then, you know, people are going to check in on me and go, are you okay? Did you not watch the thing? What's going on? <laughs> if I have a bad right. day, I watch the thing. If I have a good thing, good day, I watch the thing. Um, it's just one of those movies I, I actually had the pleasure of seeing in the theater with my mother at a very young age, probably should not have been seeing that movie at a very young age, but I did. Um, I, pro- I probably saw it even younger than you because I have vague memory, which my memory is really spotty and everything, but <laughs> I do remember seeing it in the drive-in right around the time it came out, which would have been 1982. And I was eight right. years old at the time. Oh my so. gosh. I was, I was 11. <laughs> I was at least in the double digits. So yeah, you were way too young. <laughs> we seen yeah, that yeah. film. Um, and the but interesting it, it, thing is, is I didn't see it again until just a couple of years ago. So it went several decades before I, between viewings of it. I remember that. I remember having conversations with you about that um, because yeah. that was like the first time you had seen it as an adult. So um, just the, the thing about this movie, my mom um, was a, a wonderful woman and she absolutely loved horror. She didn't love gore, but she did love like universal monsters and hammer films and, you know, things like that. So um, the original thing, um, the thing from another world, that was one of her favorite movies. So when she heard it was a remake, she took me to see this. She was, you know, excited and she already loved Kurt Russell, like from the Disney movies. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his Disney stuff, but yeah, um, she was a big fan of that and Escape from New York. And so it was a no brainer. We were going. Um, I remember everything about that movie. I remember people screaming at the scary parts. I remember being awed by the special effects. Um, it was just a really, really great cinematic experience. So it's kind of imprinted in my brain and as one of my most favorite movie experiences and one of my most favorite horror cinematic experiences. So love it. I, I don't know what more I can say about it other than <laughs> it, it, it knocked me on my ass and, and the special effects, um, Rob Bottin and his crew, geez, I've never seen anything fucking like it. And, and by today's standards, I'm sure a lot of people think it's hokey or I still 
it's still, it's, I'm in awe of it. I'm in awe of how great everything still looks. Even now, I, I still find myself like, how the fuck did he do that? How did they do this? Um, oh, yeah. And plus, it's kind of like a murder mystery. And I love that claustrophobic feeling of, of being someplace and not knowing who's infected or which one of us is really us. Um, that whole theme, I really, really love that about that movie too. It's got so many subgenres. You know, it's science fiction. It's like a whodunit. It's horror. It's body horror. It's it's everything that I could possibly want in like a nice little package. And then Kurt Russell is that icing on the top. <laughs> I have to go back to Kurt Russell and Keith David. Oh my gosh, I had the biggest crush on Keith David and and this and the movie that we'll be talking about as well. Um, Anything else I can say about the thing for you before? Because <laughs> I could go well, on I just about thought, it all day. Well, hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully we'll have lots more to talk about here in a second. Yeah, I just got to uh, actually rewatch it for the first time in theaters. Uh, since I know I saw how it, was that uh, when I was eight? It was great. It uh, we got we got there kind of late, which thankfully um, they had enough previews that by the time I actually made it into the theater after getting concessions and everything, that uh. When I got inside, it the credits had just started, so Ooh, it was lovely, perfect. Yeah, so it was it was it was really great. And then um, son, I was there with my son and my daughter as well. And my son, he's a big fan of the thing. Uh, it's like his second favorite horror movie mm-hmm. of all time, and uh, so he he was enjoying getting a chance to see it on the big screen uh, for the first time. And my daughter, uh, she'd never seen it, and so. <laughs> So she was kind of thrown in blind because we didn't tell her anything about it either. And uh, so she, uh, so I just kept looking over at her, waiting, waiting to see what her reactions were. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. When, uh, when doc gets his arms, uh, you know, eaten. Um, oh. And uh, <laughs> that one was a, that one was a nice shocker for her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the, uh, the, the special effects, they, to me, they still hold up very well. And I think that's the nice thing about practical effects over digital effects is that, you know, it's sure the practical effects can look kind of hokey at times, but for the most part, at, at, and especially with stuff from the eighties on mm-hmm. that practical gets a lot, so much better that they, the, 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 you know, between Rob Bottin and Stan Winston and Tom Savini, all those guys, they were elevating it and, and, and taking what each one did and trying to top each other. So that, you know, that's what frustrates me now when we get so much digital stuff, which does not always age well. Um, I, I really, I, I think that was, I think that's a big part of, um, not dating myself, but I'm an older horror person, an older horror fan. So right. I grew up as a teenager in the 80s. So practical effects to me is everything in horror. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I CGI does absolutely nothing for me. I mean, some of it, when it's done well, it's, it's fine. Um, but I agree with you. I think the special effects in this film really still holds up. Um, I, to be 100% honest with you, I really just realized, you know, there's the scene and sorry guys, this movie came out in 82. If you haven't seen it, just go watch oh, it. Yeah, Cause I'm no. spoiling it right now. Yeah. Our stuff um, is spoiler. Our stuff is spoilers. <laughs> spoilers galore here at, uh, at creepy and geeky. So go ahead. So, you know, the scene where they're doing the blood test and 
Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell's holding the Petri dish and then he puts the um, heated uh, piece of wire, copper, metal, whatever, sticking it in that blood and then it kind of jumps out. But the thing, the portion of the thing that's hurt jumps out of that Petri dish. Yeah. I, I just realized about a year or two ago how they did that effect because I could not figure it out <laughs> for the life of me. And when I figured it out, I was like... God, that I'm such a fucking moron. How did I not see this? (laughs) Have you have you seen the behind the scenes on how they did that? I have not, but I was reading a little bit on IMDb uh, after watching it, and they said, um, and it they used a fake hand. They used a fake um, hand, but it wasn't actually his hand holding the petri dish. So I'm assuming they had some kind of. uh, So, not having seen it, I'm assuming they used some kind of. air tube or something like that to push something out to push the bladder part yeah. out so yeah. that and then obviously the shrieking made that even more creepy but yeah. i was like really i have seen this movie since i was a kid and this is the first time i realized it's a fucking fake hand that he's holding. <laughs> it was like two well, years ago a- i was like i couldn't believe it because i was so immersed in what they were doing right well and that's what's great though too is that movies like this you're so invested in them even if you've seen them a lot of times like I watch movies just to watch movies. I don't watch movies to catch all the stuff that's right, like, like gone wrong. Like catch all the goofs and everything like that. Occasionally, I'll I'll catch something if it's super obvious. Mm-hmm. But when it's not very obvious like that, like um, apparently when Doc gets his arms uh, chewed off, that's actually a different actor uh, that they used. Um, it's actually right. They had the double amputee, guy, right? And then they just put a mask of Doc on his face. And so you're but you're paying not more thinking attention of to that. his arms than right. his face. And so you don't notice that. And like, I'm like, it, I didn't notice it, obviously. So it worked. Exactly. We're looking at the belly and the chomping of the hand. We're not thinking yeah. about looking at Doc's face at that point. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's really, and, and, and what I really love about this movie too, is that's such a terrifying thought that you're, you're, you're basically infected with an alien and these people don't even know that they've been or that they're starting to turn. Like they have no, no knowledge that this organism is, is actually assimilating them until it's too late. I mean, it's, it's over with. Um, And I think, but from what I've read though, is that the assimilation is quick. Like they're dead pretty much instantly. And that the assimilation happens very quickly. The, the, The body that's walking around, that's actually, the alien is fully the alien at that point. Yeah, because as soon as the cells um, start morphing, yeah, and they, they attack everything. Fast. Yeah. Right. And so it's just like the shell of the person with no, you know, no longer inside is anything resembling the person that they were. Before. That's a horrifying so, thought. And, and yeah. that, that calculation of when, you know, um, oh gosh, I've already forgotten Wilford Brimley's, but when he's in there and he's looking at the, uh, Thank you. Why did I forget Blair's thing? So when he's in there looking at his his little computer um, modules and it's like, yes. oh, okay, you know, if it does this, it'll, you know, take over the world. And I'm like, holy shit. I mean, how are you going to stop? <laughs> you can't stop that. Um, yeah. And I love that that's part of um, his Apocalypse trilogy, which we probably should have just talked about those movies <laughs> now that I think <laughs> about it. But, you know, the, the end of the world would come in, in such a, a, a calm fashion. And, you know, it would it would just be over before we even knew it. And right. that terrifies the hell out of me. Not to be topical, but, you know, especially with COVID. <laughs> That's what oh, I no, feel no. like now. It's like, 
I, I feel like feels, that's yeah go ahead no I was gonna say the the thing feels like it's you know very topical to today um, yeah both of the movies that we're talking about today are very topical to things that are happening today in our society and in health and everything and I mean when the thing came out it was very topical to then too which both of these movies were very topical to the times they came out because when you look at the thing in terms of the 80s and the AIDS uh, epidemic mm-hmm. um, it's very much about you know you couldn't tell who had AIDS you couldn't know like you you had to do a blood test and so there's all this like correlation between AIDS and you know the the thing um, I don't know if it was necessarily meant to be like that, but it definitely had that aspect to it. Yeah. That when you look at it in hindsight, you're like, wow, this is like very much a part of the time. Of and what's could going be on. Part of the time now, too, because especially with COVID, like there's yeah. a lot of people that you don't know who could have COVID were just walking about, walking and about doing their thing and infecting you right. easily. You know, <laughs> I, I, just like, I was. I can honestly tell you, I, I've been fortunate that I was able, I've been able to work from home for like the last two years that this has been ongoing. And now with our new supervisor, um, I, I, I train some of our new hires. So we've been doing all of the training virtually. And now all of a sudden uh, we're asked to come into the office once a week. And I went in last week and I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I really was. I, I stayed in the training room all day. I didn't really go through the office. I just kept my mask on and stayed inside. Yeah. And that's what I felt like in the back of my head. That's all I was thinking about was, oh my God, who's infected in here? Like, you know, it's like the thing scenario playing in exactly. my head. Like, like who's who do infected? I talk to? Who's going to get yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to cough on me before I leave here? You know, it's like, <laughs> as soon as lunch came, I bolted out of there. But um, I don't doubt it's, it. It's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, you're right. It is very relevant to, to what or mirroring what's going on now and in also back in the 80s with the whole AIDS epidemic as well so um I don't know Carpenter just he just gets you you know and and I know um this is a favorite of his like out of all of his films I think I read somewhere that this is his favorite um and and it stands for good reason if he grew up watching you know the thing from another world which we saw I think in um Halloween I think the kids were watching that yeah yeah um I think it's been a favorite of his and like I said it's it's one of those things that kind of got passed down because my mom loved the original so much and now I've kind of instilled this in my kids because well (laughs) one of my one of my children likes this movie is almost as much as I do the others are like please stop playing it um (laughs) like literally as soon as I put it on and they hear the music everybody's bolting out that they don't want it they're done see you later done um but it's really fun it's it's one of those movies um i i know it sounds odd but i can put that on and i feel almost like a comfort even though it's a horror movie it's a comforting one and especially when it's summertime when it's like sweltering heat in charleston i love putting that thing on because i love that that whole frigid (laughs) tone sometimes you watch movies and it gives you like an overall feeling of coolness like watching the shining and all of the snow i I don't know. Watching snow movies makes me feel not as sweaty in the sound if that makes any sense to anybody listening. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the, um, in my opinion, it's one of the best science fiction horror movies. Um, and and I'm I'm biased because I absolutely love Carpenter and I absolutely love this movie. But I also love too um, watching this one and um, 
you know, things like Night of the Living Dead, because I'm an African-American woman, I, I love movies where African-Americans aren't portrayed as side characters. They're right. ever much as strong and prominent. And for me, um, Keith David was just one of those people I gravitated to, just like oh, yeah. Ken Forey and Dawn of the Dead or, um, you know, just there's something about that presence. And, and I love the fact that um, he's just as much a strong character as Kurt Russell is. We know Kurt Russell's the lead. I mean, we already know that, but oh, yeah. I love the fact that he is, is definitely the, the he's the, so cool. The second lead. Yeah. He's cool. He's like commanding. He's, he's you know, he's flamethrower dude. He's yeah. You know, you know, they're like, <laughs> hey, get, tell Childs to get the flamethrower, you know, <laughs> comes in and wrecks shop, man. So, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah no i've always loved keith david you know um the 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 other movie that uh we're going to be talking about uh which is has been unnamed up until now but it's they live <laughs> which also has keith david in it as one of the major you know, two major characters and you know that that since i watched that in the 80s that that one was always my big uh, carpenter movie um it's my favorite and uh you know and 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 he's a big reason for it so you know going back revisiting the thing um as i finally was able to do um recently it just having him be in that and having him be such a big presence and everything was really awesome as well and what i love about him too and um and they live once again like you said they're the two prominent main characters they don't make him um just a sidekick like he's oh he's he's just super badass <laughs> like I, yeah. I literally i love how he is uh, even even their fight i i just love everything <laughs> about them and um their chemistry together i think is just really really great and it it speaks volumes to me like as a black horror fan you know in a lot of our 80s movies and, and particularly these two that we're talking about the black characters don't make it and i've kind of slowly gotten used to that it's kind of cathartic to watch that um right. and it's just because living in the south uh, a lot of things happen to people of color that aren't particularly nice and so in a weird way watching horror helps me kind of get through that but i also love that i get to see how powerful they are in these roles right. so so for him to use Keith David twice, you know, he, he, I think I read somewhere that he specifically wrote um, Frank and they live for Keith David because he liked him so much in the thing. And to me, that just spoke volumes. Like this guy is totally awesome. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm overtaking you. No, no. I, I, I guess I'm enjoying listening to man. you. I, I do. I, I love, I love both of these. But I wanted to ask you, uh, what was it about They Live that kind of stuck with you? Like, why is that your favorite? I know there's a million reasons why, but. Yeah, I think They Live. Um, I, I had seen the thing, of course, uh, but I think being that I was only eight when I saw it, that it, it didn't grab me at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but later when They Live came out, I was older. And by that point, maybe a little bit more aware of movies and such. And it's, I don't know, maybe just the, you know, the, the, the creature design, just, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know why it's, it's spoken to me, but over the years, it speaks to me just on that, on that consumerism, capitalism, like 
like is is just tearing us apart message Mm -hmm. Um, and you know again just as much in the 80s you know during reagan's era as it is now during like you know post jackass era um (laughs) that right the rich get richer and the poor get yes we will not talk about that we will not (laughs) we will leave that name unspoken but i understand what you mean you know the the rich get richer the poor you know and they get rich off the backs of the poor and um it's it's I, i agree with you i love the creature design like i i cannot tell you how wild that looks you know what i mean just oh yeah and have you ever read the um story the short story that that's that it's based on the eight o'clock I in the haven't. morning i haven't i need to though because i just you, I, you should I, I don't know why i've never have it's it was literally in the credits and i noticed it um the other day when i was looking at it, i was like oh i really need to check that out so the only but thing yeah, i i yeah. wanted the the reason i'm asking about that is the it's it's really short and when i say short i think it's like maybe six pages it's, it's like not a long read at all but the reason i was asking is um Obviously, it's based on the short story that he probably read as a, a science fiction geek growing up, like yeah. most of us are. And um, there are only subtle differences that I can think of. The character's name is still Nada. His name is George Nada, which I think is really a clever, you know, mm-hmm. Nada, nobody, he's Mr. Nobody. Um, exactly. and, and then uh, the alien race is more reptilian as opposed oh, okay. to what we see with the kind of skeletal frame. Um, and I thought, well, I love Carpenter's way that he handled these kind of facilitators that are taking over our society. Um, but everything else is basically the same, you know, seeing the um, sleep and work and consume and you know all of that stuff is exactly the same. But the eight o'clock in the morning title fits in with the story. And I don't want to spoil that for you or anybody else. So when you get a chance, yeah. read it and, and oh, uh, you'll, you'll be like, wow, <laughs> that's really <laughs> um, awesome to see. But one thing I do want to say about this film, I don't know if you're familiar. Well, you probably are. Uh, you're probably familiar with um, Shepard Ferry. He did the Obama Hope campaign yes, logo. Yes. So he's from Charleston. Side note, I have to shout out my Charleston peeps. Um, (laughs) So he's from Charleston and he came up with that hope campaign, but he also had uh, a more famous campaign, which is uh, Andre the Giant with Obey. It was like uh, Andre the Giant has a posse and there would be these Andre the Giant posters, very similar to the Obama hope posters, but it would just say Obey at the bottom. And it was Mm. because of this movie that he started this kind of street art. It used to be awesome. plastered all over um, downtown Charleston before he kind of blew up and became famous. So um, I just wanted to throw that out. <laughs> as that's well. awesome. That's a cool. It, that's a, that's yeah. a great connection. I love that. It's really cool. And um, it, the thing about this movie too, I really enjoy. I enjoy. I'm one of these people. I enjoy a lot of trivia. My head is filled with like useless. If I went on Jeopardy, it would be none of the shit that I know. It's always shit that exactly. I don't know. <laughs> right? You know, you know exactly what I mean. It's like I know all of this shit, and then of course when I go on there, it'll be like, explain the Py- Pythagorean theory, and I'll be like, what the fuck did you just <laughs> ask me? <laughs> ask me about movies. I know about that shit. Ask me about right. all that stuff. Ask me um, about movies, comic books, anything. Yeah, music quotes, anything but that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but what I what I love about this too is um, you know Roddy Piper is an actor he's an he's a wrestler which is basically an actor you're acting out all of the stuff but 
I thought I read somewhere that he actually had to leave WWE because uh, I think Vince McMahon wouldn't let him take time off to do this role, and he was like, "Fuck it, mm. I'm leaving." And I was like, "What? I, he quit?" I know that, but yeah, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's um, you know, we all know the famous um, bubble gum, all out of bubble gum. He kind of yeah. ad libbed that, um, but I thought it was kind of neat. There's one uh, little trivia thing that my husband told me uh, because I've been married a long time and my husband is the romantic. If you were to meet us, you would think you would think he's the mean one and I'm the the <laughs> softy and it's the complete opposite of that. Um, I'm the I'm the Wolverine and he's the very nice person. Um, so he actually told me this trivia that uh, because Roddy Piper was married at the time of filming, he didn't want to take off his wedding ring. He was like really mm. committed to his wife. And there were a few times that John Carpenter wanted to take that ring off. And he was like, nah, I can't do that. I'm married. So I'm leaving my ring on. So if you ever see his wedding ring in mm. that in that film, that's why. Um, I always thought it was because maybe he was homeless because his wife had died. Or, you know, I always give people yeah. backstories, you know. But no, it was no, simply because, cool. yeah, I thought that was a cool. He's like, so my husband was like, oh, so if I was in a movie, I would never take my wedding ring off. <laughs> I was like, I don't care if you take your, how much are you getting paid? I don't give a shit if you take your wedding ring off, right. take it off. Um, but anyway, I'm My wife I'm and I have been married for almost 25 years and we haven't worn our wedding rings in forever. I <laughs> never wear mine because I, I lost weight. Kudos to me. Yeah. And, and so it keeps slipping off and I've never got it resized, but I was like, shit, I know I'm married. I don't need to wear it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and like that's a, the thing too. Like I, mine my wedding ring was when we got married we were we were we had like no money so our, our mm-hmm. wedding ring set my ring and her two rings cost a total of two hundred dollars right and so they were not well made and so <laughs> so mine kept getting bent and like out of shape and everything for whatever reason you know at the job or whatever right and so then I eventually just took it off because it just was not comfortable on my finger and she ended up taking hers off years later and you know, we both came to the, you know, realization that, you know, one, we didn't need it because we know we're married to each other. We're not going right. to, you know, you, um, uh, you're not going to forget it because you don't have it on. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not not married just because we don't have it on. And plus, you know, we realized that also, you know, for us, wedding rings represent shackles. Um, exactly. They represent, you know, the ownership that, and and, and you don't need true that because you you put on that wedding ring you're like this person is mine now that's this mine person is taken, exactly. this person is not for anybody else and it's like we already know that and we, we don't already need know to prove it that. exactly so, we've yeah, been so. together so long it's like if if somebody and when i say we've been together a long time uh let's see this upcoming valentine's day yes he picked that date i did not um <laughs> This Valentine's Day, I think we will be married 29 years. We got married super young. And um, wait, 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 wait. What, what, what day is your anniversary? On Valentine's Day. No, for real? <laughs> That's not your anniversary. <laughs> Our anniversary is the day after. <laughs> Our anniversary is literally February 15th. Yeah, he, he wanted to get married. That's hilarious. 
he always makes this joke. He thinks, you know, it's a dad joke. So he thinks it's funny when he tells people, oh, yeah, we got married on Valentine's Day. So if I forgot to get her a present, I would always get her a present because it's Valentine's Day. You know, that's been the joke for the last 20 something years. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it, OK. It kind of works for us as well, because then I'm like, I never forget when our anniversary is. You're not going to. It's a day after. Valentine's after. Day. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, hilarious. I, just, I think it's funny. So, yeah, we've been together a long time. So the, the rings, I, I literally could not tell you the last time I had a ring on I just don't I just I'm not a jewelry person I'm I'm the anti yeah I'm an anti-jewelry lady so um (laughs) real easy to shop for you don't have to buy me jewelry or none of that shit um so what can we talk about now that we've we have not really talked about they live we went on about the thing for a while what can we talk about Um, let's go back to the thing real quick let's uh okay I actually have I actually had something I wanted to ask you about so what do you who do you think or what do you think about the end? Do you think either one of them is infected or not? I think Kurt Russell is. Really? I think so because, and this is only my theory if I'm basing it on what the theory was in the 2011, the thing. Um, okay. It can't, rep- it can't replicate metal. And Childs right. is wearing- Childs um, has his earring. He has an earring still. Yeah. So if it's in anybody, it's definitely in Kurt. But, you know, we we saw we were in pretty much we saw Kurt in plain sight. So I can't think of yeah, when and it that's would have why actually. I think it's neither one of them. That's yeah. my theory is that it's actually neither one of them. Both of them are yeah. safe. Both of them, you know, and Kurt, because here's the thing. Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell's character, McCready, he kills the the big one. And so if he had been infected, he wouldn't have tried to kill it. Um, there'd be right. No exactly. To, nobody else. There'd be no reason. He. So that's why I believe that both of them are not um, infected. They're just, you know, waiting out, you know, to die at the end, just to right to sure. freeze to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, have you ever played the uh, the thing video game? I know that I'm just I'm dating myself have, by saying I have not, but I've heard of I've heard of the 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 thing where McCready survives and. So. <laughs> I played this. I tried to play this game. I'm I'm not a, a huge gamer. The kind of gamer I am is I play um, puzzle games, you know, uh, Sudoku or Professor Layton or whatever those little brain game right. things are. So first person shooters, I suck at all of that. These type <laughs> of um, horror games, I I, I get ter- terrified and I throw things because I get nervous. <laughs> so when we got this game, we played it and my daughter uh, played it with me and, and my kids are complete gamers they will play everything and anything and so when we so when we played this game uh i literally was mccready and i took all the supplies and all of the ammunition and all of the explosives and i locked myself in a room and that's how i ended my game (laughs) (laughs) my daughter said you can't you can't play it like that mom i said i'm alive and i have everything i need in this room and she's like but you're gonna suffocate and die there and it's like i'll i'll have food she's like but you're gonna run out of air i'm like that i'm it's not going to get me. That's all I care about right now. So my strategy for that game was just to die in a room by myself. That's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm terrified. Obviously, it worked for them times. in the movie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, it worked in the movie. Why wouldn't it work <laughs> in the game? Um, but yeah, this this movie is um, it's a dream, and I and I love um, the score too. Um, yeah. I was actually, it, it was so funny too, because when we were watching the movie this last time, uh, I mentioned the score. 
um to my kids and i was like oh man the score is so good and like i um accidentally you know thought it was um uh, a john carpenter score because because it sounds like most one. of it does sound like one um but actually it's ennio morricone right did it in that style and i was like wow that's actually really cool and this is an interesting tidbit of information that i found out uh that um the quentin tarantino movie the hateful eight uh was also scored by ennio morricone and some of the music in that movie was unused music from his score from the thing so i was just going to mention the hateful eight i'm glad you said that (laughs) what i love about that is that there were a lot of similarities between the thing and the hateful eight. Oh yeah. Um, I, I really love that. And I think, um, I mean, Kurt Russell wasn't obvious, but them trying to figure out who was working alongside. Um, oh my God, I've already forgotten her name. You're going to know it. And I'm not, thank you. Dom or goo. I couldn't remember. So you know, that whole mystery of figuring out who's working with her, who's mm-hmm. working against them. And Samuel Jackson kind of trying to spook that out. The, the isolated snow. location, the snow, and them putting the little pikes in the uh, snow so they could go to the yep. Um, yep. the outhouse or the the barn where the horses were. I was riveted by that. I was like, holy shit, this, is, this can't be a coincidence. He's got to be doing this thing. on purpose. <laughs> Especially with Marconi doing the score. And I was like, yeah. there's no way that he's he's hitting every beat with this. This is outstanding. So yeah. um I'm glad I'm so glad that you brought that that trivia up. See, we're nerds. We Oh man. <laughs> I'm a I, I'm a huge Tarantino fan. So like for me, that's uh you know, seeing that kind of connection and everything that he made. And I mean it makes sense. Tarantino does a lot of homage to a lot of things, you know, right. things his own. So you know, seeing that and, you know, obviously it's a twist on the whole idea, but it's very similar, like we said, in the snow, in a, in a, in a singular location, um, trying to figure out the mystery of who, who's yes. the bad guy. Um, just so many I things. absolutely love that. It was, it was such a clever twist. And then, you know, you got Kurt Russell. So how can you not have Kurt Russell's have the main guy, guy and he's got a, <laughs> and he's got a, you know, a, a co-lead, a black co-lead again. <laughs> With Sam Jackson in this one, who's who's and also so, very astute and smart, and you know, oh yeah, I, you, we're gonna end up doing a podcast about Tarantino movies. I I want to be there for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely oh, yeah. want to be there for that. Um, <laughs> have, now before before I go off on a tangent about Tarantino, have you seen the Cutthroat Nine? The, say that again. Have you seen the Cutthroats Nine? That movie that he no. basically based Hateful Eight. Oh, you haven't. No, I have not. Okay, we're going to talk after this episode because you're going to watch that movie. All right, all right. I'll have to check it out. You will. It's That's basically what he based Hateful Eight on. You know, like okay. we were just saying, you just said he yeah, has yeah. those um, homages. My goodness. Um, yeah, we're talking about that after. Uh, this is all about Carpenter, so we're going to focus back. <laughs> Drive it back home. about the master of horror. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I like that, that score for uh, the thing was so good. And then, like I said, you know, uh, um, he used the uh, Tarantino used beats and I was just, as I was listening to uh, in, in the movie, the thing that I was like, wow, that, you know, I can see where those, you know, where that bit was in uh, the hateful eight, uh-huh. especially in the beginning music of the hateful eight when they're, uh, when 
and traveling down the uh, road uh, during the credits and everything. I was like, man, that, that was just, my that sounds that like score, something from the thing. Yeah, that score was my ringtone for so long. <laughs> I think when I first got like a cell phone and I could figure out how to you know download a song, I it it was mad. It, every, Everybody was like, please change your ring. I was like, nope, that is my movie. I want to hear that dun dun. You know, it's just I, I love it. I get all keyed up when I hear it. It's weird. <laughs> it's like a Pavlov, no, I, Pavlovian reaction. I hear it and I'm like, oh, the thing is on somewhere. My spidey sense well, and kicks in. And that's the same with they live to me. Like the uh they live has a has a very distinctive soundtrack. It's got like throughout the whole thing, it's got that same basic theme. You know, dun 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 dun, you know. And yeah it's 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 just it just gives you this like i don't know it's it's almost like an adrenaline rush like you know well, it gives you an undercurrent of uneasiness too and it's almost like a heartbeat too i noticed he does a yeah. lot of uh kind of like dun, 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 you know it's like it beats 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 i love that yeah now his his you know even though he didn't do the music for the thing i mean it just fits so perfectly and it, and it fits his sensibility as well too in terms of music um yeah it sets that overall you have tone. a hard time yeah you just have a hard time like not like seeing it as his music right so it just fits i totally way. agree but uh yeah it's um but the thing that you know going back on you know, fully on the thing I, I i enjoyed it i enjoy the um the practical effects uh, the overall story, the that like you said, the that that tension of, you know, who who it is, uh, the mystery aspect of it. Um, I'm always I'm always game for a good mystery, and and horror movies, you know, good horror movies have that that central mystery. Not, I'm not gonna say all good horror movies have that, but you know, a good a a movie that has that is a good horror movie. Um, yeah, as long as it's done well, I think that's why I like the Scream franchise so much because the, the central theme throughout every one of those movies is who is Ghostface. That's what I'm kind of, I'm, a, I'm addicted to those movies. I, I haven't seen the newest one yet. So. Oh, it's um, really good. I'm not going to say and, anything more. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's really good. Uh, unfortunately, somebody already spoiled some of it for <gasps> me. And I was like, I didn't oh. want to know any of that. Not, not right. the killer or killers. I'm assuming there's probably two or three. I'm hoping there's three. Uh, <laughs> I always, <laughs> whenever it's two, I'm like, come on, y'all got to give me like a group or a cult. I want to be a, I want right. it to be a scream cult of people that are going oh, around killing man, people. That is, that's actually a really good idea. You know, I don't know why, why they haven't do gone that? that far yet? Why wouldn't you do that? Because we're in a social media age. I'm, we're not even talking yeah. about Don Carpenter right now. We're going no, but let's but... Di- let's digress because this is a good idea. But so. why wouldn't you? Why yeah, wouldn't why you, you have a social media cult? age? Why wouldn't you have a scream cult? Because you would never figure it out, and it'd be so many ways for you to deflect who is actually in that ghost face. Two makes yeah. it so much easier because it's like, oh, it's two people, you know, but. By Scream 2, we're already in a kind of formulaic, oh, it's two killers. And then when yeah. you get to the third one, it was like, okay, something from the past. All right, I- I'll yeah. deal with that. And at By least that one, one it, it well, at least with number three, it, it it broke the cycle and was like, it's just one dude. You know? It's just one, one dude, killer, yeah. You know, so that was actually at least, you know, and, and people give number three a lot of shit, but like number three is one of my favorites because I it don't broke mind that one. Number two. Number two was very much a retread of number one. That's I like exactly it. what it is. Don't get me wrong. I love all the screen movies. 
no, I love all of them. Very much like the first one. And I was like, okay, so let's, let's get something new. Let's get something different. And then number three was so different. It was so crazy. So funny. Um, I thought the third one was fresh because even though it was the one guy, I felt like, okay, well, of course, this is somebody that's going to bite us in the ass and we didn't know anything about this character. So how inventive was this, you know, however, (laughs) how do we go to scream so quickly? (laughs) Um, Yeah. We, we should probably talk about this another podcast oh my god yeah, no yeah, you're doing yeah. you're doing this with your kids i'm doing so. it with the kids but yeah i'm, uh, I'm, I'm for doing it with other people i could i could talk <laughs> i could talk about scream all day I, the only thing that really pisses me off about the third one and, I, and that's going to be it for my scream rant i swear is uh if you haven't seen it sorry um yeah too late it, for him Boy, for him to be yeah for him to be a a, a director for Roman to be a director, was it Roman? Is that his yes. name? I've already yeah. forgot. For him to be a director, um, no, not Roman. What was is that the guy who was directing Stab, the little young guy? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget his name. Scott Foley. Sid, um, yeah, Scott Foley. So yeah, for him, for him to okay, so he's a director, he's already in Hollywood, he's immersed, and now he's got a movie greenlit, but his focus is still to take out. Sydney Prescott I, right. I don't explain this to me sir you have a green lit movie in Hollywood do that shit and, and then just have using, somebody kill her on the side you're just using this movie to you know wreak your vengeance <laughs> to do on what? her yeah <laughs> make make the money hire the hitman do, kill do, Sydney yeah with it. <laughs> right like you already did that with you know student Billy you know hire a new one you know I, I just don't I don't somebody more competent it. If I got greenlit a Hollywood picture and I found out my long lost sister was alive, I would leave that bitch be. Sorry. And I, I, I don't mean it. It's not a derogatory. <laughs> I don't mean it that way, but leave yeah. her the hell alone and live your life. Yeah. You, you've you got a Hollywood picture. Dude, move Just do on. That. You know, get over it. <laughs> this is go a literal therapy. You. Yeah, let that shit go. Move forward with your life. But <laughs> I digress. We're, we're going to, we definitely are going to talk about this. Because, yeah. Uh, that's like one of my favorite things to talk about. My husband is over that movie too. He's over all of my horror movies at this point. So, but Scream is that's that's my bread and butter. Like I literally have been so geeked out. If you've seen me on Instagram this this past week, I've just been Scream Week oh, yeah. all week long. I've Scream been in week. love. Yep. It's been so much fun, and now I have to go to this new movie because I don't want anything else spoiled for me. So oh, yeah, I got to yeah. figure out when go I'm doing as that. As soon as you can, yeah. For sure. Robert, you're gonna have to edit this whole part out. People are gonna be like. Y'all supposed to be talking about John Carpenter. <laughs> You're talking about everything other than John Carpenter on his birthday. Um, uh, we'll be coming back. <laughs> let let's let's go back to him. So yes, there was there so was something. I, yeah. So they live. Um, let me tell you, as a as an adult, when I yes. watched this, when I watched They Live as a, as a as a teen, I I'm I'm like you. When I watched it as a teen, it, it didn't hit me the same way that it hits me now as an adult. Yeah. Because you know you go, you go to work, you're in that repetitive cycle of uh, school and then work and then home, and it's the same thing. It's you know lather, rinse, repeat. We do the same thing every goddamn day. Exactly. So when I saw this as a as an older person, you know, like in my twenties, I think, and I probably had a kid at that point, I was just like, Jesus, this movie really hits hard. I mean, we yeah. gotta wake up. <laughs> you know, we do yeah. the same thing all the time it's not that hard to think that we would be controlled by i mean we technically yeah. are you know we're on we our are. phones yeah. and 
and on the internet and social media, it's ridiculous how how we are just consumed by all of this this fake stuff that we see. So you're absolutely right when you said that earlier. It really does hit right on the nail on the head for now in this culture that we're in. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think it's been like this since the 80s. Um, I mean, even, I mean, it's been like this since before the 80s, but I think that the 80s really amplified it. And then since then, it's just been this, you know, continued cycle uh, for all of us um, that the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and everybody else in the middle is just stuck. And yeah, you know, there's not much we can do about it either. You know, that unless we can somehow get rich ourselves, which is next to impossible, you just right. have to be stuck in the cycle and, you know, do what you can to fix it. But unfortunately, nothing's happened yet, um, which is depressing when you think about it. But also, I don't know, somehow comforting that, you know, everybody's in it just the same as we are. I mean, there's not much we can do about it. Right. Like we're all in the same boat. I, I, yeah. I think the thing I love about They Live is that we get to live vicariously through through the Nada character who who's woken up and and is like, yeah, no, I'm not standing for this shit. And you know, right. he just proceeds like the very first time he he realizes when he puts the uh, Ray Bans on it, he realizes that this is something is amiss and this shit is fucked up. I love that part where he's in the uh, little convenience store or liquor store or whatever. And he tells the lady she looks like formaldehyde dip. And I'm just like, holy shit, that is the best thing I've ever heard. (laughs) These are things we wish we could do. You know, we wish we could be as brazen to to stand up to some people. I'll be 100% honest with you. I'm usually brazen all the time. There's no filter there. (laughs) But as people in my office have already learned very much the hard way, but um, it, it's, it's, I think it's cathartic for us because even for this oh, little yeah. bit of time, we get to see what it would be like to rebel and see what we, it would be like if, if a revolution really did happen. Cause you know, we have a lot of people that they hashtag revolutionaries and, you know, but they donate money to concerts. They don't really do anything. Uh, you know, I, I just love the fact that he knows he's one person, but he's going to do what he can to wake as many people as he can up. And even the um, the homeless camp that he's in with the uh, group of people that are working in the church, the revolutionaries that are also trying to help other people wake up that figured out what what was going on. I love that aspect of it, too, because it's it's an underground network of people who right. who know that we have leaders and are trying to do something about overtaking this. So it's really clever. Um, uh, and I think, I think that ultimately what it does is it shows that even if you can't, even if you can't break that cycle, that there are people that are trying to expose it and right. that between the glasses and the broadcasts and everything that we are, they're getting the information out. And I think that's, you know, there's a correlation between now, uh, nowadays as well, because you do have people who are whistleblowing people who just try to constantly show you the information that's out there and whether we want to believe it or not, that's, you know, that's on us. There's a lot of people who resist in this movie resist. I mean, look at Frank, Frank resisted putting on those sunglasses for a long time. And that's definitely a metaphor for people resisting waking up and, you know, to what the world is really like. And I think that social media um, 
kind of works in that way to an extent. I mean, you know, to an social media in general is very much like anything else on the internet. It's you know, a lot of noise. Um, but right. The the when you can get the signal through, you can get the information. I think that's what's like very much a, like it's very metaphoric um, for a lot of what we see and they live nowadays that there are people out there working and fighting and trying to bring this information to light and you know that's what's great about the internet and social media and stuff like that there are people doing that and if you're paying attention you can find it and you can be you know quote unquote but i think you're right too i mean yeah i think you're right too though there there are a lot of people who are perfectly fine with it being the way it is like yeah um we even see that the uh, the character, um, oh gosh, George uh, Flower. I can't, he's got yeah. three names: George something George Flower. Buck he's, yeah. Thank you. So he's the drifter. Um, yep. But then when we see him later on, you know, he's homeless like them, and then later on, he's explaining how everything works. You know, oh yeah, yeah you guys are. And, yeah, he's you know, got the money and everything. So. Yes, he's perfectly fine with it because he's living comfortably. He doesn't give a shit about anybody else. And so what once it reminds again, me of, I'm sorry, what that reminds oh no, me of ahead. is Cypher from uh, The Matrix. Right. Uh, Matrix <laughs> right. Movie. He wants to he's be plugged back fine. in. He knows, he knows that it's fake, but he would rather live in the fake world because that's more comfortable to him. That's more comfortable. And he gets to have all of the, the fancy uh, companies that he wants. Plus, you know, they probably promised him that he could be with Trinity if, if he got yeah. them to, or, or exactly. a Trinity, a simulation or something. Right. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like these, these things are in place and you have people that are, are doing their best to make sure that you know what's going on on and like you stated it's really up to you to either accept it or turn a blind eye to it and I think more people would they would rather get what they can and leave other people behind and that's that's the saddest thing about society right now it's like we we could be helping each other a lot more than we do and we Mm. don't (laughs) and if we do we do it so we can put it on social media and go hey I gave food at a food shelter today you know it's not like you really give a shit about giving the food you just want people to know you gave the food there's a difference and um like you were saying in the 80s that the uh that whole reagan era of um just wealth you know you want to have wealth 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 but you're exploiting people to get that wealth so it's it's sad i would like to think it's not like that now but it's still it, it still is we, you know, like we said, the rich keep getting richer on on hardworking Americans, and then you have people who are middle class who just do their day in and day out. And I think that's why I absolutely love they live. But I will tell you, <laughs> I do that a lot. I will tell you one of the things I really find fascinating about they live is that we have one of the best femme fatales. I, I have, mm-hmm. I've got a, yeah. a a thing for femme fatales and movies and. Meg Foster and those damned glowing eyes of hers. It, <laughs> she's, she's got the so, craziest eyes. I think it's because she's a brunette, but she's really gorgeous, you know, and those eyes are just, they're just mesmerizing. Yeah. Such a great femme fatale in this movie. I mean, yeah. I, I could, I should have seen it coming, but I, I couldn't see it coming. You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> 
I, I I love a good femme fatale, and she she gives as good as she gets in this movie. Um, well, in both of these movies, comparing them to as well, not just the fact that Keith David's in both of them and does a fantastic job in both, but uh, they're both downer endings in a way. Oh, they're yeah. both hopeful, but also downer. You know, in the first one, they stop they stop uh, the the thing, but everybody's dead. And they're going mm-hmm. to die soon as well. And in this one, Frank and John both die. Everybody dies, but they get the signal out. They get the broadcast right. unblocked or whatever. And so everybody can see that the aliens are there. You know, it's uh, it's definitely very similar. I, I'm always surprised that they live isn't part of you know the apocalypse. Um, I know it's a trilogy, but you know it could have been an apocalypse series because it very much feels like it's in tune with the thing prince of darkness and uh, i think i think the only reason it's not really considered part is because we do break through and and now everybody is aware of what's going on so if they've done it here they probably are going to do it elsewhere and where you know it'll it'll just keep, keep rippling out into um into the different areas of different parts of the world Right. Um, however, how have we not talked about the ending where the alien guy, <laughs> guy is banging this lady and he's like, what's the matter, babe? <laughs> how have we not That's one of the greatest endings that? ever. Oh my God. <laughs> I, was, I was dead. Like, literally, I was yeah. on the floor like, oh, my gosh. What do you do? And that's, I, that's one of my favorite parts. It's, just, it's yeah. so yeah. funny and absurd. Um yeah, that, I, I had I mean, to say that. That's what's so funny. Yeah, no, 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 no. That whole ending where like everybody, like the aliens are fully exposed and just like, what in the hell? And that one, they're sitting in the one, bar, and the people in the newscast are like, holy shit! And you know, people yeah. are running out of the studio. It's so great. Um, so and awesome. Nada giving that finger at the end. It's like the last defiant act. I was like, I love it. Um, yeah. It's it's truly great, and and we didn't even mention the the fight scene. How did we not talk about that oh, fight yeah. scene? It goes Between on and Nada on. And Frank. Yeah, Nada and Frank, which and was recreated like in the South minutes, Park, just like <laughs> beating the crap out of each other. Did you ever see the uh, South Park recreation of that? Fight? I haven't. I haven't seen. Really? Funny. Yeah, okay. I'm not a big South Park fan. I'm not either, but but that's one of my favorite things that they've ever done. Because when I when I first saw it, I was like, "Are they redoing They Live? Are they really doing this on South Park?" It's such and an reason, iconic fight. It, it, the reason it's so funny, unfortunately for me, and I'm it's it's a non PC fight because it's between two um, disabled children, <laughs> but oh. they really beating the crap out of each other. And it's so funny. They literally had that choreography exactly like they live. It was the best thing I'd ever seen. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm not a South Park fan. I, I've, I've stopped that long ago. Um, I, I think I liked them when they first it. started. It was, just a little, it was a little too off for me. The, the first couple of seasons were fine and then I just fell off completely. But yeah, the fight scene between uh, both Roddy Piper and Keith David, uh, outstanding, uh, because Carpenter really only wanted it to be like a couple of minutes. He was just like, oh, okay, yeah. you know, you you hit him and you hit him. They literally rehearsed this and showed him the, the fight that they choreographed and they did all of their punches except the ones to the face and the groin. So anytime they got yeah. hit in the face or the groin, they pulled their punches. But Everything else, like when he's hitting them in his back, and they're really hitting each other. And I was like, oh. "This is the best fight I've ever seen in my yeah. life." 
He's throwing no, wrestling moves and No, this great. movie's full of like iconic parts. And I think that's partially why uh they live is a much bigger movie for me because it's once again one of those ones where there's so many bits that just live with you for a lot longer. A fight, the uh I've come to you know kick ass and chew bubblegum uh, <laughs> line, the you know, just the you know formaldehyde face. Um, <laughs> just so many, so many funny and just you know, iconic bits that just last so long with you that I think that's why they live has always just been my favorite. I mean, it's definitely one of mine. It's 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 the thing only beats it out. Just be, I, I think it's because of the experience I had with it. If I had seen they yeah. live in a theater, I probably would have thought that at that time. Um, and I just I I always love Carpenter because, like you just stated, the way it ends, it's always a kind of ambiguous ending. It, sometimes right. it's downer. Sometimes it's just you know it's the end of the world and we're all fucked. But I I love. I don't know. I don't like cookie cutter ending horror movies. I don't like where it's just like, oh, this happened and that's done. I like when right. it's, I'm not sure what the fuck is going to happen from this point on. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I, unfinished, it makes me feel, I don't know. I, I like that unfinished feeling. Well, I don't know why uneasy. that is. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's because it leaves me uneasy and then I'm wanting more. But yeah. my mind is already making up what the hell is going to happen after this point. Well, yeah. I think that's why yeah. I liked. Um, I think that's why I liked The Walking Dead so much when when the comics came out because yeah. it was a continuation of what happens after the zombie apocalypse. You know, movies end; it just ends. But we want to know what happens when people continue. So, I think that's why I love that that aspect of open endings. Um, yeah. Well, because you one you you fill it in yourself a little bit, but mm -hmm. also two that uneasiness. <clears throat> Um, because it did not give you a resolution you're just kind of like shit what happens next you know right and, <laughs> exactly <laughs> like tell me more uh so and then they make a sequel and they ruin it um <laughs> then they ruin it yeah. <laughs> i was just getting ready to say that oh my gosh it's hilarious but yeah i think that's what's great about uh, um quite a bit of uh, carpenter's work is that you know he leaves it ambiguous you know things are you know, even at the end of the the first Halloween movie, Michael Myers gets up and leaves, and you don't know where he went. And you don't know where the hell he is. Crap, you know. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just so many of those aspects that you're just like, wow, you know, and which is very cool. I I do like that as well. Going off on a couple other ones, like uh, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Hereditary does that same thing. You know, you've gone through this whole movie of 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 just crazy crazy shit going on oh my god and then at the end of it you're just like well that's not supposed to happen you know <laughs> now what it's, happens now and what happens ends. what's and it ends yeah. and 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 it's perfect to me i i felt that way when i watched midsummer i was like <sighs> what's gonna happen yeah. okay so now you and i have to do another episode with the films of ari aster oh, i'm, I'm making yeah. notes of things that we have to talk about <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> i'm being serious because I, I i could go on and on so i i do want to say this carpenter has a way of 
and I guess they all do. I guess Romero does too. You know, you have your your commentary that you're trying to make, and then you make it, and and we all kind of salivate and eat it up, and 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 it's great. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I will say is. I think he's my favorite or one of my top favorite horror directors because he has a great way of melding kind of like an, an every man aspect, almost like how Hitchcock, yeah. you know, takes an ordinary person and puts them in extraordinary situations. Yeah. I think I love that aspect from Carpenter. Like, you know, people in Outpost 31, they're there to do a job. They're not thinking about any of this shit that they're going to be invaded by an alien. And that's yeah. exactly what the fuck happens. So that I love about Carpenter, just just the fact that you're in here doing your regular Joe Schmo bullshit and then fuck a duck. You got to kill a slasher or, you know, you got to stop aliens from taking over the world or whatever the shit is going on. That boggles my mind. And I I can not relate, but because I am a regular person, uh, it, it yeah. makes me feel like, oh, shit, I, this is awesome. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, you know, he's just a truck driver. Yeah. Yeah. fighting fighting crazy asian gods over here he's <laughs> like who who would expect that's that? another who favorite ex- of mine for sure oh my gosh don't even start with that we're gonna be talking a lot i can see this now <laughs> did we that's just become best friends <laughs> the quote step brothers exactly. <laughs> exactly did we just become step uh, best friends <laughs> yep but i i've known this that for a while this is why yeah. this is why this was gonna happen eventually anyway it, it yeah. was so. It was complete. It was meant to be. That's my. Exactly. It's, it's meant to be. But yeah, I podcast agree. Buddies. And <laughs> podcast buddies. Um, but yeah, I I love that aspect in all of his movies. The fact that you know you're just a regular person. This is what you got to deal with. How the fuck are you going to deal with this? And then they do. Yeah. I, it's yeah. it's amazing, and he makes it all seem so real like you you get immersed in all of this stuff because we can all identify with things in each of these we can all identify with maybe not being homeless but with you know having to do a day-to-day job and try to make money and feed your kids and it's it's a it's a universal thing and we all can identify with it and I think that's what makes him in my opinion a master of horror because he takes something that's the mundane and makes it horrific and you're like wow that's terrifying um just something as simple as halloween and and her being laurie being a babysitter um and there just happens to be a slasher on the loose in her neighborhood it's very generic cookie cutter neighborhood it's it's terrifying um and i will tell you uh, a donna trivia i actually was uh babysitting one of my first uh, as every teenage girl you you become a babysitter for like a half a minute before you start working at the mall or whatever the hell you do and um my mother also like I said earlier she loves horror movies but she just doesn't like the gory ones so she likes the more atmospheric ones like you know the changeling or um the omen uh when a stranger calls and I watched um when a stranger calls with her probably about two or three months before I started babysitting the very first night I babysat she called the house and said why haven't you checked on the children oh no (laughs) I was so scared I told her she had to come and get me I and and she was like I was just kidding I was like no I'm not even going in that bedroom to check on this kid that you've terrified me and I, she came, she actually came and, and sat the rest of the night and babysat me with me because oh, I yeah, was she had scared. to, man. She messed you up. 
she thought it was a you know because I mean I was a teenager I but it was I was terrifying yeah. <laughs> the very first thing you hear and she did kind of a weird little voice on the, and this is before you know they had the voice changers like in scream but right. it was like why haven't you checked on the ch-? and I was like holy shit <laughs> That's, awesome. that's the kind of person my mind so well, when you when you talk to me on instagram or you see my my comment that's why i'm the way i am that woman <laughs> is just very weird lady but god bless her i awesome. loved her uh yeah she she was something else and thank goodness she only had me because i think if i had siblings it would be far worse um yeah but well, and that's what that's something i wanted to ask you because you mentioned that she didn't like the gore uh and stuff how did she react to uh the thing she didn't have a bad reaction to it. I, my mother would always do this thing when she was scared. She would cover her mouth, I guess, so she wouldn't scream, <laughs> maybe. Right. Um, and it just became a, a funny little uh, trait or a tick that she had. So when uh, the gory stuff started happening, she covered her mouth, but she immediately looked at me because she wanted to see if I was, I guess, freaked out or traumatized or whatever. And right. my eyes were so wide open. She said, I remember sitting there and you were so you were just like attentive to everything. Like you didn't cry or you wouldn't, you weren't scared. Or, and I was like, I was fascinated. Literally when I went home, all I could think of was how can I get this job? Like, how do you work to, where you get to make gross stuff? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was yeah. my, I wanted that to be my dream job, you know? And um, awesome. yeah. So, and, and I remember for like days on end, she would ask me, are you sure you're okay? You're not having any nightmares. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to figure out how they did it. Cause I knew it was fake. I mean, right, I'd right. seen enough movies that I knew it wasn't real, but she really was just more, uh, not so much scared, just horrified that maybe she had made the wrong choice to bring me to this movie. <laughs> um, but she absolutely did not. Obviously it was, she it was did not. great. No. And I mean, I grew up uh, at that point, we already had cable. So I probably had seen far worse. at that point you know my brain had already been warped at that point so (laughs) too late couldn't go back now um but yeah but she she was fine with it 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 was it's really funny she didn't like gore but she took me to some of the most gory films like i remember seeing um an american werewolf in london in theaters and poltergeist in theaters so um she took me to a lot of really really cool films and i think it was just more once she realized that i if I'd had a lot of nightmares or kept wanting to sleep in her bed, I guess she would have been like, okay, that's enough. (laughs) But because I didn't do that, it didn't, that didn't seem to bother her, but it was really uh, um, kind of ironic because she was more of a horror person than I was. And then as she got older, um, she's no longer with me, but as she got older, she absolutely hated like horror at all. Like she didn't want to look at walking dead or, if it wasn't something older and something that was more a psychological, she would not watch it. Like I couldn't even get her to watch the Omen remake because she was so worried it was going to be like really, really gross and gory. And I, I tried to assure her it wasn't, but um, yeah, she just kind of phased out of that. Yeah, it was really weird too. Um, my husband is the exact same way when we got together. He he liked a lot more horror than I did. I love horror, but not as much as he did. And now I've kind of gravitated and taken it and he's kind of gone the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, And he actually was the one that introduced me to Army of Darkness and Evil Dead. I had never seen those movies until we got together. So um, I just kind of ran with it and splatter film became my favorite type of splatter and gore and body horror became my more favorite type of horror movies just because of the effects standpoint of it that's oh yeah yeah 
but um, awesome. I've always been a carpenter person, always just, um, I think, I think Escape from New York and then that Kurt Russell crush and, the, <laughs> and I'm going to keep going <laughs> on about Kurt Russell, but I, I'm sure Beast Gleep, our friend Honey will, will be happy about that, but oh, yeah. um, because <clears throat> she's she's in love with Kurt Russell, but uh, after after seeing they live the they live after seeing the thing, I I really um, just became a huge fan of his stuff. I think I saw Escape from New York and the Thing before I saw Halloween, and kind of went back and forth with his movies at that point. Yeah, his uh his stuff. I've seen his stuff like you know all throughout the eighties. I remember you know, having seen you know, like I said, I saw the Thing uh, early on. <laughs> I saw They Live, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Christine, of course, Halloween. Um, I'd seen a bunch of that stuff. Um, I didn't remember if I'd seen Escape from New York um, until uh, you know, I watched it uh, a few years ago after I got it. Mm-hmm. There, there were definitely, there's still a few. I own all the John Carpenter movies, but I still haven't watched them all yet. I've watched most of them. So which ones have, like, have you seen The Fog? Uh, yes, I've seen The Fog. Um, I've watched all the big ones. I think the ones that I haven't seen uh, fully yet are uh, Dark Star, Elvis. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever watched Elvis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's his first first work with Kurt Russell, so. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. I I need to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there, like I need to get on that. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I uh, so I, uh, and I think. I watched part of The Ward, uh, which was his last movie. Um, no, The Ward it. wasn't that bad. I, I know I have a lot of people who, a lot of people I talk to that don't like that. And I don't know whether right. it's just because, um, oh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Amber Heard, I think it's Amber because, Heard. yeah, yeah, I think because they don't like her. That's why they don't like it. But I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was all right. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure the reason why I didn't finish it wasn't because I thought it was bad, but because something came up and I had to stop watching it at the time and mm-hmm. I just never ended up going back to it. Um, but I it's, hate it's when that happens. One of those ones. Yeah, I know. Because uh, if you're I'm not like, in the oh, right yeah. mood, if you're not yeah. in the right mood, then the movie might not hit you the right way. You know what I mean? Well, that's, it's like, yeah. Well, that's why, you know, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast that I try to go back and if a movie hasn't quite, unless I absolutely hated it the first time, I will tend to go back and try to watch it again at least one more time mm-hmm. because because of that aspect, because maybe I just wasn't in the mood at that time. Cause there's a lot of times where I'll just watch things because, you know, it'll pop up and I'll go, okay, I'll watch this now. And it just won't grab me at the moment because I wasn't fully into it. I wasn't fully invested in it. And so I'll go back and rewatch it again later. And you know, hopefully it'll be a little bit better for me. Sometimes, you know, they've gotten worse for me, but by and large, most movies will either be just the same. I'll still be pretty mad over them or uh, they'll, they'll have gotten better. And, you know, it was that, that was the case in uh, the movie. It follows everybody was going on about that. When I, when I first started getting <laughs> horror, everybody was going on about how it follows was great. And I think part of the reason why the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, eh, because everybody hyped it up so much and it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's good enough. And then I rewatched it a second time after I had actually watched the director's next movie, uh, Under the Silver Lake, which I liked mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit more. And so I went back and I was like, okay, let me go rewatch It Follows. And I liked it a lot more than I did the first time. 
I think sometimes too, when, when people hype it up too, I think it becomes uh, almost like a, I don't want to say a chore, but that's what it feels like. It's like, oh, let me just watch this so I can see what the big deal is. And then you watch it and you're like, that's it. I mean, I I think the hype sometimes surpasses. However, I do like it follows. I I'm one of these people. I I love that kind of, um, you don't know what the hell is going to, what it's going to be in. I mean, hence the thing we don't, we don't know how it's going to turn out. And, and it's, um, and the idea of it being transmissible the way it was, I was, I I felt like that was a huge, uh, almost a PSA for STDs. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. And they mentioned that (laughs) that was the case, you know, that was the underlying thing for it. And, and then I do like the visual effect like the, the stuff that they did visually I thought was really oh, yeah. interesting you know when when you see a, a naked person standing on a roof and you're like what the hell is going yeah. on yeah. I I the visuals kind of just threw me when I saw that I, I didn't like it the first time I watched it either I think I had to watch that yeah. one a couple of times before it kind of really sunk in but yeah. um yeah yeah for yeah sure. that was the same for me yeah the second time I got it a little bit more and I was like okay this is actually really good uh, for a lot of the same reasons. Like I, li- I like the whole aesthetic of it. Um, I like that it felt out of time in a way, like you couldn't tell what time period it is. You know, like a lot of the, you know, the cars were kind of older, but then the one mm-hmm. that was using a, like an e-reader um, mm-hmm. that shaped like a clamshell. And like, like a clamshell. Yeah. Like what is going on here? Like it's just, it's disorienting in a way. And which I like that kind of, movie where you're just kind of like what is going on again going yeah. back to Ari Aster stuff his both of his movies are very much of that uneasy through the whole movie you're just like something is going on but I'm not quite grasping at all and and you know one thing I will say uh, and not to interrupt you but one thing I will say um with what they live because you brought up Ari Aster with yeah. with the whole idea of Midsummer, um, and I, I love folk horror in general. But the idea of there being something sinister in this community where everything is is bright and it's bright daylight all the time mm-hmm. that is incredibly difficult to make a horror movie. You know, because when usually horror movies are at night or somebody's stalking you and it's it's not daylight. You know what I mean? And right. I I felt that that was kind of neat. Um, how they did that and it follows too a lot of the the running and chasing after was in broad daylight and even right. even though you could see it you were you're terrified I mean obviously because you can see it you're terrified and and it's well, they do it like you said they do a lot of that and they live as well um, that's what I was going to say yeah they do that and they yeah. live <laughs> it's like yeah. a lot of the stuff they're chasing him it's daytime you know we don't really see too much of the night except for when um, you know, they're coming to get the uh, the kind of underground people that one, you know, um, segment or passage where they're kind of raiding their camp and right. the rest of it's in daylight. So uh, to me, that makes it even more unnerving because who's going to attack you in the fucking daytime? <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. I expect an attack at night, but this is some scary shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, that daytime effectiveness and in, in they live. And then on the opposite side, we have, you know, uh, the thing where it's like, it's almost like it's perpetual it's darkness dark. because yeah. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. I, I didn't even think about that. So we started talking when you said, oh, yeah, no, that's what made me think of it. See, Unbelievable. Aggressions help us come back. but i i really um i really do enjoy uh us talking about this i i think 
I think we should table doing the uh, Apocalypse Trilogy um, at one point. We should come back to that maybe later on in the year or something. Because I do like those films as well. And obviously the Lovecraftian aspect of of a few of them. Um, Clearly Carpenter's got to be a Lovecraft fan, right? He's got to be. I would assume at least a little bit, yeah. I mean, most people probably are, even though they they don't want to admit it. They probably right, are. Right. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I think, like I said, for me, I I love that that aspect of you being a normal person and being thrown into really extraordinary circumstances. Uh, I think that's a big reason why Hitchcock is a, a huge. Um, I'm a, a huge lover of his work because of that that similar. Um, kind of train of thought where you're just ordinary but you have to be extraordinary and you're just put in even uh carpenter's uh village of the damned you know they're Mm -hmm. they're just ordinary people but they just happen to have these kids who aren't and you have to deal with this um right it's it's mind-boggling he does a lot of remakes i'm just not really realizing that now that i'm talking to you (laughs) like all of these things he's grown up watching yep So it's not just Quentin Tarantino that's a fanboy. He's one too. <laughs> right. It's good to know. I think most directors are though. I mean, they oh, have yeah. to be. I think Quentin Tarantino gets hit with that, like that he's copying a little too much when everybody literally does. Every, like, director every director does. Everybody, every director from pretty much the seventies on has been, you know, wears their influences on their sleeve. Um, Quentin Tarantino is just not up, uh, like, he just doesn't try to hide it. Think. yeah i i think like, you're right i i had this discussion with my um uh, with my youngest son we were saying that a lot of the newer directors they're either uh children of hitchcock or children of kubrick and we can look at them and see who is more in a hitchcock fashion and who's more in a kubrick fashion and every director you you wouldn't be a director if you didn't have somebody that you felt influenced by or that you looked up to i think that's I think that's total BS when they give it to Quentin. Everybody does it. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. I've always, that's always irritated me. Yes. I'm a big Tarantino fanboy, but yeah, I do know that he can do things, do the wrong thing sometimes. So he can do the wrong thing. (laughs) I'm not going to completely dismiss him, but yeah. I mean, everybody has their flaws, even, even the great ones, even somebody like Hitchcock, you know, they're always icy blondes. Why are they always icy blondes? There are no icy brunettes. I mean, everybody's got some, (laughs) you know, they always talk about Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish, but Hitchcock had an icy blonde fetish and nobody gave a shit about that. So I think we have probably gone, gosh, we probably talked for a while today. Yeah, (laughs) it does seem like it. Edit this bad boy (laughs) down. It's going to be my longest, uh longest episode yet i tend to do that you have to wrangle me and say donna (laughs) shush (laughs) but um i don't know anything else that we could throw at carpenter on his birthday i don't know favorite favorite line from they live is it the bubblegum line or is it something else that's got to be the bubblegum line for me (laughs) i mean that one's just so iconic it's just and it's fun to just say anytime you're Anytime you, it, it'll fit, which, you know, is rare, but, you know, every once in a while you can throw that one out. That's true. I will <laughs> absolutely tell you uh, my favorite line from The Thing, which everybody probably 
also likes this line is the you gotta be fucking kidding (laughs) (laughs) it's the best it's the way he delivers it it's the way that that the comedic moment we need (laughs) it's like that little head breaker yeah Yeah. that little head is like peeking around the corner i mean this this creature is actually peeking before its spider walks out (laughs) and it's just so (laughs) funny it's like I, every time I see it, even to this day, it it always cracks me up. I, I definitely think I need to have a Palmer. I need to have a pen with that on it. You got to be fucking yeah, kidding. Go. I'm sure somebody's um, made it. I'm sure. I'm going to go looking for it right after we <laughs> get through with this. But um, this was I actually fun. Have a pen. I actually have a pen of uh, of Nada with bubblegum. You <laughs> so don't. Are you serious? I do. I do uh, from uh, uh, Beast Wreck. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, it's great. That is so nice. Oh my gosh. Well, I actually have a um what's your favorite scary movie now that we're talking about Scream? But uh, you probably have that pin. Don't actually. Did you ever have the um horror block subscription service? The horror subscription? I didn't. No. Okay. Well, it's it's no longer. It's my dearly departed horror block, but they had just started giving out really cool horror pins and that was one of them it's the the cell phone and it says what's your favorite scary movie and i, I love oh, that pin. Cool. but now i want john carpenter pins because i don't have any, so i need <laughs> to get on that right away um exactly. and another side note i know that you are a huge lover of cavity colors so um i know that you saw that that apparel service yeah. has a uh, thing line coming up <laughs> yep Yep. I was Just so excited. Yeah, my yeah. my I, my wallet is ready. I am so. <laughs> I, I I just got I a couple of your Ghostface t-shirts. Uh, I didn't. I I really wish I had, but um, I I'm a horror movie person on a budget, so I I oh, only yeah. get them. No, I only I get the you. stuff am, that I really want. I'm I'm um I'm, I'm on a much uh, a tighter budget myself, so yeah, I had to pass on a lot of stuff, but I definitely got a couple of ghost faces. Yeah, I I I'm saving up Great. for the thing. I've got a few um thing items. Few, I finally okay. I've got a few uh, John Carpenter things coming out this year too. Um, I think uh, Big Trouble in Little China and They Live as well. So, I saw that. I saw that. I'm really yeah. excited. I mean, cavity colors. Yeah. You you're in Georgia. You you should be working for them so you can get free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just throwing this out there you yeah, you're i there. know hey you know i'd love to have them as a i'd love to have them as a sponsor at some point but uh, i think know, that would be great colors, you know I, now, i'm um, just yeah saying. i'm real friendly with them um they 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 operate in the town um uh, pretty close to me so uh I think that would be a great sponsor. You could do the ad and then you get your free clothes and look at me smoothing <laughs> and networking for you. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, help me out there. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I have a if few, you're listening, you know, it, it, they, they better be listening. What you do is after we're done, you tag them in. <laughs> right, right. So they can see this because they already know how much we love them. I know they know how much you love them because oh, you're yeah. always giving them shout outs. So it's like really, really nice. So I think that would be a nice thing. I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. We can all network and help no, each other exactly. in our horror lives. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Oh, I just bought a McCready figure. I, I mm. once again, I, I'm on a budget, so I just buy things that I really, really, really have to have. And then um, my my daughter did something really nice a couple of birthdays back. She had a friend of hers who does artwork. He made me a um, 
Thing shirt in a style of Hello Kitty. So it's like the Malamute, but it has like all of these different uh, aspects of the thing, like where the uh, chest opens up. And I'll have to send you a picture of it if you haven't seen it, but it's really oh, cute. Yeah, no. So it's like a one of a kind shirt. And I'm so excited that nobody has my shirt. <laughs> it's like I had to That's throw awesome. that out really quickly. <laughs> um, but this has been fun. Um, I'm sure you're going to have to edit the shit out of this because we have gone <laughs> on for quite a while. But it's been fun because we, we never I mean, we talk on Instagram by talking. I mean, type. So it's yeah. nice that we actually get to talk for a little bit and and just kind of connect a little bit. And I yeah. I definitely will have you on as a guest once I can get that lined up because I, I would love to have you and talk more. And um, I, I will pop in here whenever you need me. We can talk about Ari Aster <laughs> and Scream movies and anything else that's on your noggin that you want to talk to me about. I'd be that's happy awesome. to do I'll that. I'll definitely be having you on again. Anything else that we can think of? Oh. Uh, I got a podcast. You can listen to me at Donna the yes. Dead. It's a Donna underscore the T H A underscore dead, as in dead as a corpse. I guess that would be. I always say dead as disco, and people are like, "What's disco?" Never mind. I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> um, that's how old I am, y'all. I am like biblically old. Um, <laughs> but. But yeah, I've, I've got a podcast. Um, thank you, Robert, for having me and letting me give my shout out. And like you said, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more to dish about. But this was fun. I, I would come back every month if you wanted me. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> definitely have to. We're definitely going to have to figure that out because we have talked about doing a, a, another podcast together. So we may have to. Uh that working out now yeah we we might have to especially you know after you after i talked about the uh they live alien banging <laughs> that way <laughs> we so desperately exactly. like watching <laughs> so funny um but yeah thank you once again and um i'll let you wrap up because this you. is your your thing i'm just hanging out <laughs> well i i definitely <laughs> appreciate you coming on and uh we'll, we'll definitely have to have you on again and you know, yeah I, I can't wait to come on your show and talk about whatever you want to talk about. And, I got to think of something uh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> something really good. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll uh, talk again soon. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks again to Donna for coming on the show. Uh, obviously, we had a real good time with this. And uh, I look forward to having her on quite a bit. I'm going to try and get her on for as often as I can. She's she's fun to talk to. We have a good time. And uh, actually, I'm going to be appearing on her podcast, Dawn of the Dead, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, we have an idea kicking around of what we're going to do. We're actually going to be recording it soon, and that should be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for more episodes of Creepy and Geeky with her. And uh, until then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.